You are listening to episode 107 of the Peaceful Mind podcast, Autism, A Mom's Journey. Welcome to the Peaceful Mind podcast, a place for creating the peace of mind you need to be the best mom you are created by God to be. If you want to bring more balance, more joy, and more peace to your motherhood, this is the place for you. I'm your host, certified life coach and Catholic mom, Danielle Tienel. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let's get started. Hello to everyone who's joining us this week. I could not be more proud or excited of the episode that you are about to hear because there is so much to take away, whether you're a mom who has an autistic child or not. So recently, my brother, sister-in-law, and their 18-year-old son, Tyler, who is on the spectrum, came for a visit. And this was the first time we saw him in person since before the pandemic. So very exciting, fun trip, family time, visiting with my parents and everybody. It was so great. And we also are always so grateful when they come because we know that it is not easy to travel with Tyler, right? To take him out of his normal routine. So we're just always so happy for this time that we get to spend with each other. So one of the days, my beautiful sister-in-law and I were talking about some of the events that have taken place in their life, which included a lot about Tyler, of course. And I was just struck by her strength, her clarity, her empowerment, the joy and peace that she had about it all. And I immediately asked her if she'd be willing to share her journey on my podcast. She has so much wisdom that I knew could help other moms. So to tell you the truth, I myself learned so much from this interview that I didn't even know and realize, and it's going to help so many others too. Now we've recorded it in my office and I didn't use any of my mics and this, the sound quality won't be that great, but it doesn't matter because the content is so, so good. And if you hear some like banging or thumping, that would be my precious nephew, Tyler. He was making sure he was a part of the conversation too. And lastly, please, we all have something to learn from this episode. Because number one, my sister-in-law dropped some truth bombs that all parents can benefit from. And number two, if it's not your child who's on the spectrum, we all surely know someone who has a child on it. And I just want you to please share this episode and email me as well. If there was a particular part that was really helpful to you, and I'll be sure to pass that on to my sister-in-law Azine, because I know that it would just, you know, warm her heart to know that, um, she was helpful to others. So without further ado, here is my interview with my sister-in-law, Azine, about her journey with a son with autism. Hi, everyone. I am here today in my home with a personal interview or an in-person interview, I should say, with my sister-in-law, Azine. Hi, everybody. This is going to be so fun. I'm so excited to do this. I have to. Right. Um, 
We're going to talk about a really important subject today, and I just knew that all of you out there would um, would benefit. In fact, if one mom listens to this and benefits from it, because we want to talk about um, autism. Mm -hmm. And my sister-in-law here, Azine, if you just want to say, first of all, tell everyone, how are we related? Oh, yeah. So I am married to your older brother, Keith. That's right. Now, I have two older brothers yeah. and this. So Keith is the middle, middle child yeah. and I'm the baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I, oh, but he married, she married um, my middle brother, Keith. Okay. And your family? Family. So, yeah, Keith, myself, um, we've been married now for 21 years. May was 21 years. And we have our amazing boy, Tyler, who's 18, who just turned 18 in May, in fact, as well. Um, and he is autistic, among any, many other things, wonderful things that he is, one of the things he is, is autistic. Okay, so I really wanted you to come on today for your perspective. I have been able to watch the journey, you know, for mm -hmm. the last 18 years. And first of all, I just want to tell you that you and my brother are amazing, and Tyler is amazing, and we love and adore him more than words could ever say. But I know that there's a lot of other moms that might be um, on the early side of the journey of getting a diagnosis of autism for their child. And I just, I think you have so much wisdom to share of what it was like at the beginning and, and where you've come to today. Yeah. And so I wondered if you would start by telling us about what we may call the beginning of it all. Like what was life like with a new baby or a toddler and then around the time of his diagnosis? Yeah, for sure. Um, and before actually I start talking about that, I want to yeah. touch on what you said earlier about, um, you know, this can really help a lot of people or this can be impactful to a lot of people. Um, because, uh, I think we're now with the statistics, statistics where there are with how many boys out of a hundred and how many girls out of a hundred are diagnosed on the spectrum. If you are not yourself personally impacted, um, you know, having a, uh, a son, a daughter, or a sibling that, that has autism. I know for a fact that many of you, if not all of you, either have a friend, have a coworker, have someone in the school system that your child goes to and is friends with, that is somewhere on the spectrum. So even if you yourself um, are not, there's someone in that circle. And if you know of that someone, I urge you to have them listen to this. So if you've listened to it, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I think if you're listening to this, there's a purpose behind it. And so you're here for the, for a reason. And so please pass this on, uh, and maybe it'll be helpful to someone else that is impacted personally. Um, so going back to your question about the beginning. Um, so yeah, you know, you get pregnant and, um, you're excited as a young couple, and like any other young couple, uh, we had, you know, full. We were full of joy and full of ideas of where we want. We were seeing Tyler um, in terms of his childhood, his teenage years, college, so on and so forth. Um, and it all started, you know, very typical. Um, and honestly, with Tyler, and I and I tell people this quite often, you know, parents with children on the spectrum don't have the luxury of overinflating something because overinflating like someone's accomplishments means that they may not get the right services so you become really realistic about um, your child's abilities really quick 
So what I'm telling you is absolute fact. It's it's definitely not overinflated. Not only was Tyler not displaying any signs of anything going on, he was actually ahead in a lot of ways. Hmm, I mean, he knew his letters, um, can recognize them and audibly say what it was, you know, A or B, out of order when he was eight months old. So wow. we would show him a T and he would say T. Or we would show him a W and he'll say W. Um, so he was actually ahead um, in a lot of ways. He walked when he was supposed to. He sat up when he was supposed to. You know, all those things was going um, fairly well. When we uh, notice something is around the age of two, two and a half, when his not, not only was he not picking up new language, he was losing language. So the things that he was saying when he was six months, like mama, or, uh, you know, Azim, he would actually call me by my name because mm-hmm. that's what he heard, everybody called me. Um, he started to lose that. Um, and, you know, the words were not increasing, they were decreasing. And so when we took him to the pediatrician and they said, you know, it would probably be good for him to be seen and just get tested just to kind of see. And at that time, he was so young that he wasn't necessarily diagnosed with autism. He was diagnosed with, um, hey, we know something is going on. Um, we know there's a delay here. We just don't know what it is. And it's too early to actually give them a full diagnosis. Um, so I think it was called PD, PDD-NLS. Um, and yeah, can you tell us the thoughts you were having at this time, even when it wasn't diagnosed? Like, what were you thinking at the time about Tyler and what was going on? Um, I would say, you know, looking back, of course, mm-hmm. um, it was it was denial. So I was like, no, he's a boy. Boys, you know, are usually delayed in speech anyway. They're not, you know, um, as developed in their speech as girls are at this age. Um, it, it's okay. And and fought it for a while. So when we heard, hey, go take him somewhere, it was probably like November. Um, and we didn't actually take him until like April. So there was these months of like, oh, there's nothing really. Um, but then when we t- took him and got this diagnosis, then it was like, okay, something is definitely wrong. And then I went into the mode of, let me research as much as I can about this. And my entire existence revolved around knowing what this is and what autism is, because I've never known it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and it consumed me. It completely consumed me. And the more I read, the more depressed I became. Um, and it seemed like we were now in a black hole. Um, our lives will be miserable. My son will be miserable. Um, there's no end to this ever. And uh, there's no point to life. I mean, it just was the more I read, the worse mm. it actually kind of got. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a really it was a really tough time um, in that sort of beginning days of just trying to find out what is going on and how how do I now become this new mom <laughs> um, to this child that has completely different needs that I ever thought that he would have. Right. So then once that you've done the research and you've had these feelings of denial and mm-hmm. depression, and then as if you can kind of and again I know this was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 16 years ago, yeah. somewhere around there. And it's like, if it, can you, can you kind of imagine after it soaked in a little bit yeah. 
and you fast forward a little bit to the months or maybe mm-hmm. the first year afterwards, how did they, did they change then? Or was it, you know, what were your main feelings then? Yeah. So then it sinks in and you say, okay, this is reality. This is not a dream. It's not a denial. And now I've got to do something. And how long did that take in between the months of, you know, so how long did that take? I would say at least a good year. Good year. Okay. Um, and I know that timeline is definitely different with different parents in different situations. Mm-hmm. So let me also preface that, you know, my experience does not have to necessarily be your experience. Um, and it doesn't, you know, not validate their experience. It just, you know, mine took a year. Somebody's may take two years or three years and someone maybe a couple of weeks. Um, and it's all the same. You know, we're all made very differently. But mine was about a year and then it was like action. Now, what do we do to fix it? Because now, I'm a mom and I fix things. You know, you have a boo-boo on your knee and we're going to heal it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is an interesting sort of part of the journey because you now start to come across people that have really good intentions and want to help you. And then you have people that don't have necessarily the greatest intentions and it's, you know, they're selling you, you know, snake oil to kind of, you know, cure, you know, here's a cure for autism, right? Um, and we had to go all those paths. We had to go down all those paths. It was important. It was part of the journey. And then go, okay, this didn't work. Turn around, go a different direction. But now it was about, you know, do we put them on a gluten-free diet? Do we put them on a dairy-free diet? You know, and what I found out is that, again, different things work with different people. And, you know, someone else's journey is not my journey. So no, um, sort of judgment, right? In any of that. If, a parent said, gluten-free, uh, gluten-free, dairy-free diet absolutely helps. And I did the same and it didn't help. It didn't mean that I was doing something bad. It just mm-hmm. didn't help. Let me try something different. That worked for your child, didn't work for me. That's okay. But this was the part that I was just like, action, action, action. We were going to Johns Hopkins University. We were going to the Children's Hospital. We were you know, looking at all kinds of different therapies and measures and, you know, are there pills that can help them? You know, all these different things. I mean, this was now like, let's try to fix it. Right. Now, this is probably going to be a little sidebar than what I have planned to ask you Mm -hmm. here, but you just brought up something that I, I think that would help us, especially the, the ones who, of course, we all know someone Mm -hmm. who has someone on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. but when it happens, and I remember this is how it was for me too, because at the time I also had two new babies, yeah. like, because the, just as a side note, everyone, Tyler was born three weeks before my <laughs> twins were born. So there was three grandchildren that came into our, yeah, my parents' that. life right at the same time. But like you just said, you know, people try and help. Yeah. And they want to, but we just, we don't know what to say. Yeah. Like, I guess this is just a little, so I was just curious, like if we are someone like, what did you want to hear? Yeah. Or what would be some advice that we would say to other people that would maybe be comforting like that you. This is such a great question and not very often asked. So I'm so glad you asked it. Um, because this, you know, what, when you go through something traumatic like this, it's very similar to dealing with someone who's going through grief. It's very, it's very similar. People are uncomfortable about the topic, be, not because they don't care about you or any of that. It's because they just, don't know, like you said, don't know what to say. What is the right thing? We're going to make it worse. Am I going to make it better? If you are someone who is personally dealing with it, now looking back, because I didn't necessarily do this or know how to do it, 
feel free and feel open because again, the family you have or good friends that you have around you, your community obviously love you and care about you. So feel free to openly talk to them and say, right now is not a good time or right now I really need to talk to somebody about something. Be open with your emotions and whatever it is that you're going through. And if you're ready to talk, believe me, they'll be ready to listen. Mm -hmm. But they're not always going to be just knocking on your door because they don't know if you're available emotionally to have the conversation. And if you are someone on the outside of it, in the in the perimeter, right, of someone who's going through it, what I would have loved to hear is maybe, I mean, today or texts, there were no texts back in the day, <laughs> right? Texts are helpful. Um, is to just once in a while send a text and say, hey, just seeing how you're doing, you don't need to respond to this. Oh, just that's so there. good. So it doesn't put the pressure on the person to necessarily have to respond, but if they're ready, they will. Oh, that's so good. So that would have been just great. But again, I mean, at the time, we didn't have the text capability, but it, you know, that's kind of what I needed that we're here. And also make sure you ask about them, not necessarily how is your child doing? Because mm -hmm. believe me, the child is getting all the support and attention. It's usually the parents that are neglecting themselves and they're neglecting each other. So to just say, how are you? Um, and again, don't need to answer. Right. That's so good. So good. So I'm just going to piggyback on something that you just mentioned now and ask the question because yeah. you said, you know, people, you're neglecting yourself and each other, mm -hmm. right? So what was it like for you and your marriage at the time when you were mm -hmm. at the early times? Again, another really good question, often, often not asked because I are, I also know like, you know, I would just guess mar married to my brother. Yeah. I can say it's yeah. difficult in itself. <laughs> great. Great. He's so great. No, I love him so yeah. much. He's wonderful. But now, now this adds to, yeah. so yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, in the beginning, especially going back to the beginning, all the focus, you know, talked about all the research and then all the action, like now we're doing things. All the energy, whatever was left after the work and the household stuff and then paying the bills, you know, all the things that you have to do anyway to exist, and then this is now on top of it, was going towards Tyler. The focus was Tyler. And what happens is because you only have so much time and so much energy is that we were not paying much attention at all to ourselves in the marriage. And I do want to mention something that you said <laughs> Those, those very many years ago when we first, um, you know, got the diagnosis of autism with Tyler when he was about five years old is when we actually got the diagnosis, by the way. So it took a couple of years for him to actually be diagnosed with it. Um, we were talking, I think, on the phone about it. And, and you said, I just want to tell you that, you know, marriage is hard anyway. It's work like anything else. We're going to put the energy towards it. And the statistics, I think, at that point in terms of divorce was something like 52, 53% in the United States. And then you said with couples that have children with a disability of any kind, doesn't matter, some, some disability, it's over 70%. And then with parents with children with autism, spe specifically, it's over 90%. And that hit me. And, you know, you hear tidbits and it stays with you. And that stayed with me. And once I, you know, we were in it and we're doing stuff, I realized, I mean, it just was like, oh, my God, this is what Daniel was talking about. 
marriages don't fail because you have a child on the spectrum, if you have a child with a disability or a child has any kind of health concern, whether it's uh, you know something awful as like cancer or anything else that you're dealing with, it's because you stop caring for each other. You know, your focus goes somewhere else and we no longer will become testy, will become kind of, you know, you're angry at each other, angry at yourself, and you're just taking it out on each other because that's all you got. And that's why these marriages fail. So Keith and I sat down and actually had an open conversation, an honest conversation. And we said, no one's going to know this experience better than us. They love us. They care for us, but they're always going to be the perimeter. On right? the outside. On the right. outside. They're mm-hmm. never going to be inside this circle. It's me and you. So if we don't see things in each other and we say, hey, I'm here <laughs> if you need me. If we if we don't do that for each other, this is going to fall apart. And if it falls apart, we don't benefit because we no longer are together and we love each other. And we're not here for Tyler. The very person we're trying to help, we end up hurting more. So we made a pact only one of us can fall apart at a time. <laughs> I love it. So good. Make note. When, in fact, we can all use that, right? One only person, one spouse is allowed to fall, fall apart. One person has to be there and present and ready to do it. Um, so we made, we made that pact and we said when we see the other person, and, and to this day we still do it, and say, and of course, the when you hear someone say, "Okay, hey, do you need do you need a minute?" You know, it makes you angry. At least it would like make me angry. I'm like, I don't need a minute. I just need to solve this right now. It's like, well, no, you know, you don't. You know, calm down, honey. I got this, right? And and we still do that for each other. And then at the end of the night, when things are calm and when Tyler would be asleep and things are okay, then using that quality time, whether it's watching a movie, watching something funny on TV. Um, anything like that to just say that's that's done and now it's you and me. It wasn't let's get back on the computer, let's go talk more about autism. No, mm-hmm. we're gonna watch a funny comedy or we're gonna do you know. Um, and eventually when things got you know a little bit you know he got a little bit older, then it was date nights and we made a very conscious decision of once a month. And you know some people have the financial ability to you know, hire someone to come and watch their, their kids. Some people don't. Some people have that trusted person, you know, that is, you know, they can do it and some people don't. And if you don't, if you're in a situation that I don't have the financial means to hire someone and pay $20 an hour to watch my child, I am, you know, in a city where I don't really know anybody, we're new, I just can't leave my child alone for a long time with someone, I understand that. So we say, well, how, what do I do when that happens? Like I said, at some point in the day, let's say, let's say, it, you know, they're like now in like preschool or some kind of therapy session, like Tyler will go to speech therapy for an hour. Well, we would block that time off on our calendar for an mm. hour and just like, let's go, let's go to Starbucks together. Right. For do 45 you, minutes. Do you hear that, ladies? And anyone listening? I mean, I, in my program and when I'm coaching, I'm always telling moms about self-care and then how important it is and how you need to be filled up so you can better take care of your child. And then now we we see it in, in it and it matters for your marriage too. Yeah. Right. Ab- absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. So there is, you just got to get more creative, right? So, okay. I don't have all those things that are easy, but 
I mean, this child is somewhere for a little bit of time. Let's use that time. Yeah, so good. So good. Okay. So I actually, we had a conversation when we were hanging out um, mm-hmm. the other day, which kind of sparked like, oh, we need to do a podcast on this because we can, you know, help someone out there because you were really open and raw with me about um, having had some nervous breakdowns yep. during this time. And I already asked your permission yep. if I could say this. So 100%. um would you just share the experience of the nervous breakdowns? Absolutely. And I think being transparent is so important because I think oftentimes this experience, especially in the beginning, can feel so lonely um, that you feel like you're the only person that's going through this and no one understands, no one can ever understand. Um, so being transparent, uh, very transparent and raw, I think is important. Absolutely. I, 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 there's at least three nervous, full nervous breakdowns that I can remember. <laughs> right. Um, and, and one of them, and I was, you know, very candid with you that I remember very, very vividly. Um, and I think we had just gone through something with Tyler. He had an episode of some kind um, where he just was uncontrollable and went through that, dealt with it, calmed him down to some sort of reasonable state. And now it was in his room, putting away some laundry. And I was standing in front of his closet and I just started to scream. And it was just this primal yell that was coming out of me that I could probably never reproduce if I tried. And Keith ran into the room and I told him, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I remember that. Get away from me. Don't touch me. And he didn't listen. Thank goodness. He just got behind me and just held me from behind really tight, grabbing my arm, just holding me. And the next thing I know, I don't know how much time had passed. He was on the floor with me. I was in a fetal position, crying. And he was again on the floor in that same position, holding me and just whispering into my ear, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I just finally just breathed through it, breathed through it, breathed through it, and came out of it. Um, And those moments are not only real and they can happen, but it's okay to have them. I can't stress enough that you have to feel your feels. <laughs> and we all know about that because I, I teach and coach on feeling the feelings, like embracing uncomfortable feelings, not avoiding them or reacting or resisting, but actually leaning in and stepping into your feelings, stepping into it. hundred percent. You've got to go through the fire to get to the other side. There is no avoiding it. Because avoiding it and pushing it in just means in a really inopportune time, it's going to come out and it's going to come out when you don't want it to come out. So have the feelings. I would be in the car and he is six or seven years old and I'm trying to just teach him because I would use every opportunity, every opportunity was a therapy session. And he would be in the car and I would say, Tyler, green light means, and he would say nothing. Green light means, he would say nothing. And we say go. And this would happen for weeks, even years, you know, and nothing would be coming out. There's no, there's no answer. There's no, he wouldn't, I mean, he wouldn't even say yes or no. Todd, are you hungry? There's no, there's nothing, right? So you don't know. You're guessing. Oh no, I guess maybe he is hungry. I have no idea. I mean, Kim and I was on his lap. I'm like, I don't know. Should we feed him? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm hungry. So maybe he is. 
So then I would drop them off and then I would be in the car trying to come back home and I would just cry. Just cry. Just the stress of this is this how it's going to be forever, you know, that I'm going to ask him a question. He's just not going to know a simple answer of yes or no. Um, and, and it was important for me to be in that moment and cry it out. Mm -hmm. um, there would be moments that I swear to you, I would be looking up at the sky, whether I was home, in my car, and I would say, God, no more today. I'm done with what I can take for today. For today. My, 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 I'm done. The list is full. Like one more thing and I will be over the edge <laughs> into some oblivion. Like I, we're done. Um, and, and he always answered. Yes. As All, he does. As he always does. So, you know, the, 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 the faith, um, came into play quite often. Yes. Tell me more about that. You, well, um, you know, if you're a person that believes as I do and believe that nothing is a coincidence and you don't get these things as a curse <laughs> because, you know, God hates you or you did something awful. Um, I had to remember that because there were times that it would feel so dark that I would think, I don't know, I must have not been a good person. Like, why did this happen to us? Why did this happen to me? Why is this happening to him, this innocent child? I thought God was good. Like, why is this happening? And then when I had a moment of clarity, it was, you know, really understanding how the faith really works. And it is really about trusting the journey you're on, trusting why you're chosen. And we talked yesterday about this and I had this moment. We were, we were out at the pool and everybody was out playing and I, you know, was just by myself getting a little bit of sun. And I saw this couple walking into the pool with their, with their child. And if you, or have a child with autism or know someone close, you can spot another child with autism really quick because mm -hmm. you can see all, all of the characteristics are there. And this boy, um, probably 16, 17, was going into the water with, with his parents and was a little scared and parents were trying to kind of help him and ease him into it. And something flashed in my brain and I actually started to tear up because it was like, oh my gosh, this just this this thing just came to me, which was... These kids are so innocent. They they don't have the capacity for ill thought or ill deed. They just don't. So everything they are is so pure. Every love, every feeling, every, everything is real. So they're the closest thing to an angel mm. that you can possibly so find. So if I am given the gift, or these parents I saw, given the gift to have an angel, next to them and you're trusted to take care of this gift oh my god because god chose you to god. be the parent of this angel yes. while here on earth yes he said you two are special enough and i'm going to give you this pure soul it's up to you can you can you take care of this 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 angel of mine that i'm giving to you as a oh. gift and i just started to tear up at that moment because i said oh my god and then I looked up and I said, thank you. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's no longer a curse. It's no longer, why did this happen to me? And I did something awful. It's almost like I did something right. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. with this experience, I feel like my soul got purified. I got better. I became a better person. I became less judgmental. 
I became a nut mess of those awful things. And uh, I'm, again, I'm like, I'm a little, you know, muffled for words here right now because I'm, I'm in it and just yeah. thinking about how good God is. Yes. And, you know, we just forget sometimes and we have to, you know, call back. And like you said, remember to call on our faith and see how he is there every step of the way. Right. But for those listening, you would say like that was a journey to get to that place. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I, I didn't get to feeling this way overnight. Year one, year two, or even year three. It, it came with tons of time and experience and being able to like see things clearly. But hopefully why we do these talks or why we, you know, read books is so we can get there faster. Mm-hmm. You know, why parents give us lessons or advice is so because they don't want you to make the same mistakes. They're like, let's mm-hmm. just get to where we want to get to faster. And this is, yeah. I think I'm so thankful for you doing this is so that your listeners can maybe go, oh my God, I don't have to wait maybe 18 years to <laughs> right. get that. Right? But I know that there's going to be someone listening who is on the early stages. Yes. And it's, it's also be like, it's just to give them hope and to yes. be like, it's okay. Like, Everybody might, you know, their journey might be of a different length than mm-hmm. someone else. Yeah. Um, and this is a spectrum. So um, oftentimes I, I, I have heard, well, um, and I should say this, Tyler on the spectrum is somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, he is not a high-functioning uh, autistic. A high-functioning is more of an Asperger's, which they have like full conversation. Uh, but maybe their speech pattern may be a little bit more awkward. Or maybe the top topics they want to talk about is more concentrated. So maybe you want to talk about, you know, the weather, but he wants to talk about cars, and then that's what you guys are going to talk about. And know? where is that on the spectrum? And that's if you're like, high, and that's higher. That's functioning. a high functioning. And then the more lower functioning on the other end of the spectrum is maybe someone that can't do self care, or can't brush their own teeth, can't you know use the facilities maybe by themselves or shower by themselves. Even um, some have difficulty with eating. Even. Um, and then some, but Tyler is some, somewhere in that middle. So he doesn't have full speech, but he does have all the self-care stuff that needs to happen. He can, you know, cut his own food and even follow a recipe a little bit. Um, so there is definitely a spectrum here. And I oftentimes talk to other people say, well, you don't understand me because your son or your daughter is more higher functioning than mine. That happens quite often, you know, in this community. You know, we always try to compare uh, are, interesting are, yeah. are, are, are difficulties right like I have more difficulty than you do you know we try to we, we try to do that quite often but even if you have a child that is on the lowest of the low of the spectrum where the you know the feeding is difficult and the um, and the self-care is not there I am here to tell you that the minute you change your perspective about what you have and your particular situation, the minute your mindset changes, your life becomes easier. It just does because life in general is hard. I have a child with a spectrum on the spectrum. He's autistic. Some other mother out there is dealing with something else. Maybe it's not a health thing. Maybe their kids are dealing with drug addiction. Maybe they got into an accident and now they're losing a leg and this person was supposed to be the greatest runner and had all the, you know, the mm-hmm. stars had lined up and some accident happened. So everybody's got their own thing. My thing is not any worse or better than anyone else. When you start comparing yourself to the world, you realize, you know what? This is my thing. 
but life in general is just hard. hard. And the minute you accept that and say, yeah, my life was not supposed to be easy. Who said my life was supposed to be easy? By the way, you're hearing the clapping in the background. That is Tyler. <laughs> that's Tyler. He's having a good old time out there. Dancing to music. So that's what's happening. Um, so don't be, don't get into that. Well, mine is the worst. And, you know, every minute of my day is taken by, you know, taking care of my child. I hardly have time to go take a shower. I hardly have time to brush my hair. And that is all true. And I'm validating every feeling you have. But the minute you say to yourself, okay, yes, this is my existence, but also this is an angel. I've been given this opportunity to do something great. Then... Your, your, your mind changes, your, your, your situation changes. Yeah. I love all these thoughts, and that kind of leads me into what I just wanted to, I mean, you've already offered many uh, for the listeners to grab a hold on to and decide that they want to start and believe uh, right now. But the premise of this podcast is to give moms the tools needed to have a peaceful mind, which leads to a peaceful heart which drives us into more peaceful actions and creates our more peaceful life, which we're, we're um, after, we're all after. So you have 18 years of experience with Tyler. And as I've watched over the years, um, you and my brother have definitely moved to a more empowered, peaceful place about it all. So will you share with us what are your thoughts now about and beliefs about you and your family with Tyler and about just having a child with autism in general that that you that is now your belief system that you know is true that you didn't before that brings you joy peace um, in your life right now that's such a great question so Tyler uh, as many kids on the spectrum um, may be lacking you know in certain areas that other typical kids don't lack in. Um, but when a brain starts lacking in one area, it compensates for that. So then there are other areas that just excel. What we found throughout this journey is finding out what Tyler's specific interests are. So there's, it's no longer about what my dreams were for my kid. It's what his dreams are for himself. Mm-hmm. So my ego had to go out the door. Right. It was about him and what he finds, you know, enjoyable, what he wants to do, what his goals are. And as you know, if you're someone with a younger child, you know, you're looking at your five, six year old. Oh, they can't count to 10. I don't know. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. But as they mature, these kids mature, too. Their brains mature, too. So 15, 16 year old Tyler was a very different Tyler than when he was five years old. So even if he couldn't necessarily tell me, I would ask him to show me in pictures. I would ask him to write it for me. So even if he doesn't have this the, the strong speech capability, there's other ways to find out. And if you're in a school system, the school system supports that to find out what their you know what their strengths are, and then using those strengths to get them in, into programs that they're happier in. And a happier Tyler is a happier us. So the, the why we're sort of in a more peaceful place is we've understood and we've completely now accepted Tyler for who he is, mm-hmm. that he is never going to be anything but he is today. This is not a cold that will, you know, with a few, you know, whatever medicines is going to get better. And frankly, this is not something that I want to get. He, he doesn't have a disease. This is 
autism is like, I don't know, having blue eyes or, you know, mm -hmm. brown eyes or, I mean, he is who he is. This is part of who he is. And I wouldn't want him to be anything else because he's got these other things that are so funny and makes us laugh that we may not be there if he wasn't autistic. So I'm not trying to cure him anymore of some disease. It's not a disease. It's who he is. We embrace him. We're no longer embarrassed by him in public. Um, we allow him to be who he is because he knows that, you know, if we're embarrassed, he becomes embarrassed. So we want to embrace him the way he is. And if someone is uncomfortable with that, sorry about that. That doesn't mean we don't discipline stuff. I mean, there are moments in time that he can't be loud or he can't be clapping or he can't. And that's okay. And he understands that. So discipline is still there. But embarrassment is a different thing. And we're not embarrassed by him. We're very proud of him and everything he's accomplished. Um, to and what are some thoughts that bring you peace when you think about yourself? Which I know that in this interview, without me asking, you wouldn't go there. Yes. <laughs> but because, you know, in trying to be humble about it, but I want other moms to hear what it is that you now think and believe, even if right now your brain is saying, I don't want to like toot my own horn and stuff, but we, I want to, I want moms to celebrate themselves and be like, I'm an awesome mom. I worked my butt off for my child. Right. And so what are some thoughts you think about yourself and what you've provided by keeping the marriage strong by showing up, being that advocate in the school system that you have for Tyler? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the, the, the kids, especially with speech being the, the, the big component with autism speech, you know, social interaction and such, you'll realize that you become the voice for your child where uh, they can't necessarily speak up for themselves and get what is, is their, you know, they deserve and they need to excel. Um, and you become that person. So yeah, it's difficult sometimes because you're always as a mom thinking, I could have done this more. I could have done that more. But um, again, along the, along the way, what, you know, understanding what is going to be most beneficial and putting en your energy towards that. So the advocacy in school in terms of services for him and the right type of services, getting involved when I thought, okay, the services we talked about is not being given to him. Uh, providing that support and love at home always has, was, was just really important. Providing the love and support to my spouse when he felt like, okay, today, today is a bad day for me, um, has really helped us get to a place of where this is okay. This is our life. Yeah. And so some thoughts again, yeah. I can see about yourself, yeah. about how you handled it all. Okay. That bring you peace. Oh, I can think of a million. Okay. <laughs> Tell me a couple. Of well, just like I have showed up every single day and that just, I have the, the whole fact that you've embraced and mm -hmm. accepted him mm -hmm. and, and how you have called on God. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I really want you to be like, I am a super mom. <laughs> I know, which is why I, I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Um, it's important. Yeah. It's important for you to not just say, you know, this happened, but you created it. Yeah. You created the place you are today within your marriage. Yeah. You made the decision. I'm staying. I'm working it out. I'm going to make it a priority. That is, yeah. I and see what you, mean. you can yeah. see how far Tyler has come because yeah. you showed up and you, and there's been sacrifice, but you chose love. Yes. And you chose to stay. Yeah. You chose to fight for him. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are, there are many times that, you know, giving up seems easier 
and um, maybe having separate homes and having him part-time and then I can use the weekends or the days I don't have him to do what I want to do and same with with Keith um, and this decision would be out of love because it would be like oh I love you I want you to have some time to yourself mm-hmm. there are days that that seemed like oh that would be so much easier to do but what you forget is like now you're alone you know, mm-hmm. with this child, and you don't have the support system of the other person, you know, holding your hand and saying it's okay. It's actually so much better to stay in it mm-hmm. and to, like you were saying, showing up, showing up every single day, every morning, and having the other person helps because if you're on, if you're having a day that's just like this is a bad day for me. Mm-hmm. Being openly communicating that to your spouse and saying, I can't show up today. Can you show up? And then them being able to do the same for you. And again, it happens even today. Uh, we do that. Hey, I'm done for the day. Can you do it? And you can at least at the bare minimum say, I stayed in it. I stayed in it. And you've got to stay in it to make it better. better. Exiting isn't going to help him, isn't going to help me, isn't going to help my spouse, going to help the marriage staying in and working it out because it gets tough and life is tough. So I feel like at this point we should do a little shout out to um, Keith, my brother, yeah. your husband, and just talk about he is one heck, heck of a dad, dad yeah, and is. person and everything like that. So. Yeah, he sure okay. is. So as, I, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to tell moms out there listening that we didn't talk about or cover today? Um that you might want to share? Well, a couple of things. One, um, you're doing your best every day and you will be your worst critic. So please, every night, celebrate what you did that day. So good. I love that. Don't get bogged down with, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. But you, okay, you didn't do these two things, but you did 10 other things. And some days that list is shorter and some days that list is very long. But celebrate all of them and say, go to bed with, I did so good today. These are the things we accomplished. Or even if it was, you know, not a great day that day, the things you did to make it better, right? So celebrate that every day. I know, I know, I know your life doesn't look like everybody else's you see around you. The soccer moms, the PTA moms, you know, right now I'm watching my two beautiful nieces go off to college and that's not our story, right? And when you were pregnant, you thought that would be your story and you've even picked out a college for them. You know, I know I did. Um, <laughs> so your, your life doesn't look like the people around you. But if you start to see your life as special in a different way and looking, look at your child with abilities, maybe not yet discovered, not yet tapped into, but they're there, and your mission is to get in there and figure out what that is, you realize what you have is such a beautiful story. And that story doesn't have to be like everyone else's. And and frankly, it shouldn't. What a boring world it would be if we all were the same. I mean, was that that, what was that movie where all the houses were the same and all the couples looked the oh, same? Right. And all the oh, I can't right. remember. Yeah. What it was like. So, and it was like such a boring story. I mean, the whole flavor of life. Right. I tell my moms, like, we're not robots, but, and we don't want to be. Absolutely. Well, I just want, I'm, as I'm listening to you here now, I'm like, I want 
of, of course, we wanted to touch on the subject and the perspective and help bring a little bit more peace to some moms out okay. there um, who have children on the spectrum, or of course, we all know some. But I really, as as we are finishing here, the advice that you have given is for all, like all of us moms, for any of our children, right? right. With accepting and embracing and, you know, and letting go. And really, I mean, I just want to say like, even through the filter, the lens of, um, of just of any child, it was so good. Oh, thank you so much for doing this and for coming on the podcast. I know you're going to help so many people and I love you so much. I love you. I love you. Thank you for the opportunity, really, honestly, to have a platform to, to talk about it. So good. I love you. I love you too. All right, everyone. That's what I have for you this week. I give you peace and love and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Peaceful Mind Podcast. Are you ready to take everything I teach you here and put it to work for your own life? To really learn how to have peace of mind no matter what is happening around you? If so, I'd love to have you as a client. As your coach, this is where you'll get personal and focused time on your own mind using life coaching tools, concepts, and proven life-transforming wisdom, all through a faith-filled lens. To learn more about how we can work together, come on over to daniellettienel.com. There, you'll see how to sign up for a free coaching consult and learn how to get started. Until next time, peace be with you always.